You're listening to the Joy Habit Podcast, episode 20. It doesn't have to be all or nothing with your diet. Hey, this podcast is all about real ideas on how your nutrition, exercise, stress management, and self-love are all foundations to your mental health and happiness. I'm Allie, a certified nutrition coach, and I'll be chatting each week with my good friend, Lindy, a licensed clinical social worker. Together, we've helped many clients reach their health goals and find emotional stability. It's possible to not only feel happy, but joyful inside and out. Here, we will discuss how to make joy a habit. So let's get started. Welcome to the Joy Habit Podcast. Today, you get me, Allie, and Lindy. Say hello, Lindy. Hey, Allie, it's great to be back. Yes, we're glad to have you back. Today, we're talking about something that is more in Lindy's professional realm. We're going to talk about negative thought distortions. So to set this up, I first want to talk about the word distortion. A distortion is a change, twist, or exaggeration that makes something appear different from the way it really is. So you can distort an image, a thought, or even an idea. And that's kind of what we'll be talking about today. So if you think about when something is distorted, we aren't seeing an accurate picture of reality. So a lot of times, I mean, we've all experienced the heat from the highway, which creates a distortion in the way objects appear in the distance. They kind of wiggle and dance. So the heat creates a wavy distortion in the air that shakes up the image of the things beyond it. And so things really are the way they are. There is a reality, but when we change them is when we can call them distorted or we create a distortion. So uh, another example is we can have audio distortions. Maybe when we're on the phone with someone with poor reception, we can't get their full message and may miss key details. So the tricky thing about distortions is that there are partial truths involved. Um, But it's just, I mean, it is a truth, but it's, it's just distorted it's not a bold-faced lie and so it can Mm -hmm. be confusing to know what reality really is so then if we apply the thought of a distortion to our cognition we can also have negative thought distortions and these thoughts are based on truth but they're distorted or changed or twisted slightly a lot of times people get into the habit of thinking distorted thought patterns and as a result we can create some pretty strong emotions and feelings um, because our thoughts create our feelings, right? So if we're having negative thinking patterns, we're patterns, we're going to be creating a whole lot of negative feelings. So I'm going to turn it over to Lindy to kind of talk a little bit more about these negative distortions. Yeah. And Allie, the reason it becomes so important is because yeah, our cognition, how we think really in ends up influencing how we feel and that can influence our behavior. So negative distortions can really be traced back to triggering a lot of negative feelings like depression, feelings of worthlessness, inferiority, low self-esteem, hopelessness, anxiety, shyness, panic, shame and guilt, anger and frustration. Most of the clients I see, Allie, and even for myself, like we all engage in some sort of negative distortions and we often don't recognize when we're stuck in the, this cycle of distorted thinking. So that's why it is important to learn about them and to learn how to recognize them and deal with them because we don't want them to keep triggering these negative feelings. Um, what I find interesting, Ali, is to recognize too that there is a reason why these happen and why it can be hard sometimes to recognize them because mm-hmm. when we're under stress, whether it be from depression, anxiety, grief, life circumstances, pandemics, 
our primitive mind takes over, right? I don't know about you, Ali, but for me, there's been a lot of autopilot. Let me get through this over the last several months, right? Yes. Well, that's part of that primitive mind or the lower levels of our, our mind are called the limbic system. And so it takes over and it puts us literally in a survival mode, which makes it literally cognitively harder to think rationally and clearly. So that triggers our stress response. And that can include being more prone to the negative bias and looking for fears and threats. So it becomes easier to believe those negative thoughts that we're having. So we end up telling ourselves things about ourselves and the world that aren't really true because we're just looking at the partial truths and we're looking at it from this negative bias and this primitive, primitive stress mind. Um, but they seem true in the moment because our minds are racing and we're having a lot of negative thoughts and beliefs in the moment. Yeah. And I think I just want to really clarify I mean, that's something you and I are saying that our thoughts create our feelings. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, a, a lot of times you'll hear little kids, especially and adults too, but, but my, I'll hear my kids say often, they made me mad and it's <laughs> not exactly what they did that made them mad. It was our thoughts about what they did. So if we can mm-hmm. work through our thoughts, we can change the way we're feeling. Yeah. And, and also to learn part of the reason we talk about understanding what those thoughts are is to recognize that we don't have to believe our thoughts. Yes. We don't necessarily have to believe what we're telling ourselves that we can start to write a different story for ourselves than just the, I like to call them automatic thoughts. Sometimes these things pop in our head without even us really realizing it. And it's because when we're under stress or whatever, our primitive mind just automatically responds in autopilot mode. Mm-hmm. So that's why sometimes we don't recognize it at first. So instead of convincing ourselves, we just have to believe what we're reacting to. It's you can actually try, try to change that story and that script that goes on in our head. Mm-hmm. So, so today what we really want to talk about is we want to focus. So over the next uh, while, Allie, you and I have talked about, we want to focus on the different types of distorted thinking and how it applies to how we think, how we live, lifestyle habits, joy, self-care, all those different things. So today we want to focus on all or nothing. So wait, Lindy, how many distorted thought patterns are there about? Oh, good question. There could be a little debate about that. David Burns coined the term and popularized it in the seventies. And he still really, really heavily involved in CBT work and is like the godfather, godfather, sorry, grandfather of cognitive behavior therapy, which focuses on recognizing your thoughts, identifying those feelings so that you can change your behavior. Mm -hmm. He says there's, he lists on like on one of his websites, the feeling good Institute, he'll list like 15, but you'll see other places where it lists up to 30. So there's a lot, Okay, but there's also a lot of overlap between all of them. Okay. So today we're just going to be talking about one. They're, they're kind of like category of thoughts of these. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so today we're going to focus on one um, and how it applies to our attempts to help to healthy eating. So today we're going to talk about all or nothing thinking. And the other way people um, talk about this is black and white thinking. And you are familiar with this term, right, Allie? Yes, definitely. 
I use it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we all do. So let me just give you a quick definition. And this comes from David Burns. um, And he says, all or nothing thinking involves using absolute terms such as never, never, always, must, can't, right? Those absolutes. Mm -hmm. And this can um, apply to not only using absolutes, it can also apply to the inability to see the alternatives in a situation or a solution to a problem. Um, So for example, like with a child, it's like they either want it black and white. I want to watch this movie or I don't want to do anything at all. And if they can't watch that movie, then everything is lost and they tantrum. Those are examples I'm thinking of because I'm dealing with three-year-olds at my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. And I think it's interesting that um, you've mentioned to me that the all or nothing thought distortion is one of the most common distortions. And it's something that, uh, like I mentioned, I recognize in myself quite often. So Mm -hmm. I just want to repeat what you said a minute ago for our listeners. So a lot of times with these thought distortions, there's little clues that you can use to help you identify what thought distortion you may be engaging in. So yes, the two of the, or a few of the clue words that will tip people off to whether they're engaging in this all or nothing thinking are the words never and always, and those musts. So when it's like those mm-hmm. extremes, like you'll hear that in um, disagreements, like you never do this or you always do. <laughs> it's like, you have to back up say, okay, do I really always, or is it sometimes? So I think that's, you kind of have that in emotional conversations. So, yes. And one more thing about that is what ends up when we get stuck in those, um, those words and this all or nothing thinking, if we fall victim to believing we're either a success or a complete failure. Mm, Definitely. Yep. You just kind of polarize um, your thoughts. So, I mean, I, I know I've talked about how, I often will refer to myself as a recovering perfectionist. And I think if you're anything like me, you'll recognize that perfectionism is rooted in the all or nothing thinking. So I typically even have a hard time making decisions like on anything because I want to make sure it's the best decision. Even like when I'm ordering food at a restaurant, (laughs) it's hard for me to pick because I worry that if I don't pick the best thing, then I'll be disappointed and the whole dinner will be ruined. And that sounds dramatic, but um, I think when you're, when you start to identify what you're thinking in your head and why you're getting anxious over things, you may be surprised that you are kind of leaning towards that all or nothing. I also see it when I'm planning things. So, um, tomorrow we have some guests coming to stay with us and it's the first time they'll be in bend. So I'm really excited for them to come, but I started to feel really anxious today. And I was trying to, um, as I felt those anxiety feelings rising up, I, I stepped back to ponder why I was feeling anxious. Like, where did this start from? And I realized that I'm so excited for them to be here, but I feel this pressure to make sure every day is planned perfectly. I want their time to be used the best we can. I want them to see the best places. I want the weather to be perfect. I want to have amazing food ready for them. And it's really, really hard for me to lower my expectations. But even if we don't do everything perfectly this weekend, we'll still have a great time. So it may not be the most perfect few days, but we will still have fun. And um, one way to ruin that is to get all worked up and tense about everything being perfect because then I'll be grumpy, which will make everyone else grumpy. 
So um, I think it's, it's hard to lower your expectations, but if you realize that it doesn't have to be the best of everything and you're still going to have a great experience. Um, in fact, my therapist who counseled me about the, the all cognitive behavioral therapy years ago taught me about, she taught me about all the thought distortions and something she said really clarified everything for me. She told me, if you try to control everything in your life, you won't become who you are meant to become. So in other words, by trying to be perfect and to control every circumstance in our lives, we might miss amazing opportunities we couldn't have created ourselves. So we're part of a society that's adapted throughout history. We're, we're meant to adapt to our changing circumstances. And sometimes things are gonna, aren't going to go as planned, and that doesn't discount the whole experience. So I think especially, Lindy, we've seen this in the last couple months with the pandemic. I'm, I'm sure so many of us thought we could never work from home or we could never do homeschool or we would never be able to cook meals all the time at home. But when you're forced to be in a situation like we have been, you adapt and it may not be perfect, but it, it wasn't all ruined. And you, you can find ways to adapt and to survive and to make life really great. So I feel like we've all kind of learned so much about ourselves um, over the last yeah. few months. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. I I love that you talked about that control. If you try to control everything, you're missing out on those little successes, on those incremental successes that you had and the joy that you did have in right this weekend of fit friends coming and visiting. And, um, you know, those words you use that about the pandemic, oh, I didn't think I could ever do this or I, I can't. Right. And when we learn to adapt and learn to appreciate some of the small things happening in the moment, it gets a little easier to find the gray area in that all or nothing thinking versus it's black and white. I'm a failure versus I'm a success. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really important. Living in the gray can be uncomfortable and it can be full of uncertainty. But like you said, it also creates opportunities that we couldn't have created for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it takes practice. I think it just, um, it's really uncomfortable to think about living in the gray, but if you practice it, it will become, it will become more natural. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important too, right? You said like practice and allow yourself not to get into the perfectionistic. I have to do it all and I have to do it all right. You know, as we're coming out of this pandemic, it, this is where you and I started talking, Ellie, about how it applies to diet and lifestyle. Because I know even for myself, I've been wanting to go, okay, you know, it's been a hard few months for me between the pandemic, between my dad dying, you know, all these things, grief and loss and change of routine and uncertainty that I've been dealing with personally, that the world has been dealing with collectively, as we were starting to come out, we want to be like, all right, I'm going to make some changes. And then we can get stuck in that habit of, okay, I'm going to do it all. I have to do it all. I have to make all these changes I've been wanting to make, or it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, even just personally, Allie, it's been wanting to kind of refocus on some of my, my diet habits. Um, So for example, if, if I decide I want to eat healthier that might mean cutting out treats and low carbs. So if I say, okay, I'm going to start on Monday and I am going to not have any treats and low carbs. Well, then I'll give you a really real example, Allie. The other night, all three of my kids were up in the middle of the night. My son's dealing with horrible allergies. So I didn't get much sleep. 
So let's say I'm having a stressful day. I'm tired and I end up eating chips and guacamole with my lunch. My primitive mind and my negative bias is going to tell me, which I'm telling you from experience, I noticed myself do this. Well, I already messed up and I ate carbs, so might as well eat whatever I want for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed at the end of the day, maybe when I'm getting ready for bed or kind of reviewing my day or getting ready for the next day, I end up telling myself, you messed up again. You're a failure. Look, you can't do it. Or you, you, with the all or nothing thinking, I think a lot of times I'll hear myself say, you always do this. You always fail. Yes. Yes. And I always mess up, right? I always give in. I have no self-control. I can't control myself, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not about self-control. I didn't get a good night's sleep. It was a stressful day. I didn't really set myself up for success in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that can end up triggering that guilt and shame. And then it ends up reinforcing that negative message that I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. So, um, so then I'm not letting myself celebrate the little victories because of that one mistake, Mm -hmm. because I'm looking at that black and white, all or nothing mentality of, I have to do it all perfectly, or it has to be all right in terms of my, my healthy eating, or it's not worth worth doing at all. Right. And I think we all can think of times when we've fallen into that trap with the idea of trying to eat more healthy. Mm So another example I wanted to share that I hear a lot from clients and also from myself when they're trying to make diet changes is, well, I can only have healthy food. I must eat blank or it's not worth even trying. So oftentimes when people are first starting their personal health journey, they might associate healthy eating with specific diets or plans, but then life can get busy. You might end up eating out when you did not plan to. You might not get to the grocery store like you planned. So let's say you're sitting at your favorite restaurant and you end up choosing the onion rings with the hamburger with a side of ranch dressing. What do you end up thinking or feeling about yourself after that? Shame. Ah, shame and guilt, right? And how does that trigger the all or nothing thinking for you? Then it goes back to, I always do this. I am never going to be able to stick with anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And when it triggers that, I, I always mess up. I can't stick to anything. I might as well not try. I am a complete failure. If I'm going to fail at this, I might as well do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. So then that can trigger more binge eating. It can trigger doubt, failure, or shame. Some people might be the opposite. Maybe then they try to restrict and don't eat, right? Or they isolate or numb in other ways, right? Or that's kind of um, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I am a failure. I'm never going to be able to do this. I am going to um, like purposely sabotage myself and go yes. a bunch of junk because that's who I truly am and that's what I deserve. And that's that deeper message, right? That belief that tr- you're truly a failure and you're not worth anything. So it's not worth trying again. Yeah. Yep. Or giving yourself a break. Definitely. I think something I've heard you say several times, and maybe we've talked about on this podcast, is you can't hate yourself to a healthier you. No. I really have been working on that a lot the last few months. Um, yeah. Shifting the focus from hating myself. And we all do it. It's for women. We just, I haven't worked with a single person who, um, was really coming from a place of love. There's always um, some pain behind their motivation to starting uh, Mm -hmm. a change in their diet. 
Yeah. And, and I've experienced the same thing most for myself and my own personal journey. I think I've shared that like healing my shame and my belief about myself has been a huge part of that journey and my ability to stick, you know, with some of those changes. I'm not perfect. I, you know, I do not stick to a perfect diet. It's been a really rough year for me, honestly, but I'm not doing these things because I hate myself and I want to change how I look. I'm doing it because I love myself now and I feel better when I do these things. Yeah. So, so what are some of the that's the message that, I try to teach. Um, okay. So I really like those examples. I, along the same lines, I'm always a little wary of those really strict diet plans um, for that exact all or nothing reason. For some people, they really can thrive on, on following a strict guideline diet. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's hard because a lot of people think that we need to lose the weight once and for all, like this is the time. So mm-hmm. they feel like they need to go all in. They feel like, first of all, there's a starting line and then they need to go all in. Like, I'm sure we've all done this, like Monday's coming and I'm going all in and I'm going to, there's going to be a starting <laughs> line and there's going to be a finish line and I'm going to reach my goal weight. So with diets like keto, for example, if you cheat, then you're kicked out of ketosis and then you have to start all over. And how defeating is that? So for most people, I do recommend choosing a nutrition plan that is more a moderate overhaul of where they currently are. And then Mm -hmm. you're more likely to keep those changes if you introduce them a few at a time. And um, it's so hard to completely change the way you eat overnight because these are habits that are (laughs) really ingrained. So then if you fail you're going to feel defeated. And um, if you could lower your expectations and make some changes instead of all the changes, I do mm-hmm. believe you're more likely to be successful. Um, and honestly, Ali, I would say it's almost impossible to make all the changes at once. Like one of the strategies for treating anxiety and especially OCD is we do a, like basically a hierarchy of here's one and here's however high, right? Like let's list out those different things and we're going to rank them from one to 10, which one is the hardest, which one is the easiest. And we tackle the easiest first. And once we feel like we have success in that, then we start working our way up because you can't, it, it will trigger your all or nothing anxiety, doubt, fear, shame. If you try to tackle, tackle it all at once. Yes. Especially something that's so personal as eating and something that you engage in multiple times throughout the day. And you have to do it. You can't avoid it. <laughs> right. It's not like alcoholism. You, you have to be eating. So um, I've also heard a lot of people talk about gaining the COVID-15 pounds. And, and I feel like a lot of people may be feeling a little discouraged, especially uh, coming out of the pandemic, going right into swimsuit season. So I'm, I'm with you, Lindy. I found myself thinking I should do a four-week elimination diet, which really would be awesome. But then I started thinking, well, my husband's birthday is tomorrow and then we're going out of town and then we'll have friends visiting us and then it's Father's Day. So I might as well not even start. But um, <laughs> my cute husband, who's completely level-headed, he always pulls me back out of my all or nothing thoughts. And, and he says, uh, hey, how about we don't do any treats for a couple of days? Let's try to lower our consumption of certain foods and then we'll still eat birthday cake. Um, and when he said that, I was like, immediately the stress just lifted off my shoulders and it just sounds more reasonable. And so I think if we take, can just take a few steps closer to our goal, that's better than not moving toward it at all until all of your life circumstances are in order. Because if you're waiting for that, you're never going to be going anywhere. There's never going to be a mm-hmm. totally perfect time to start. So 
Um, I think if people want to go back to and listen to episode number three, uh, where to start with eating well, I explained how calories work and how to successfully eat in a caloric deficit. So if you're going to, if you're still going to lose, or you're still going to lose weight if you eat at a slightly less, eat slightly less calories instead of aiming for a large caloric deficit, um, you're still moving towards your goal if you mess up one day. It's like going on a road trip across the country, you've made 100 miles, and suddenly you get a flat tire. Well, that doesn't mean the whole trip is off. No, you get the tire fixed and then you keep making progress. The flat tire doesn't mean that you're starting all the way back at home. It just means that it's a little nuisance of a detour and then you're going to be back moving towards your goal. It's going to be okay. The same thing with our health goals. Sometimes you, mm-hmm. you're going to mess up and then you can just keep moving. Yeah. And I think you're right. If you can just choose one thing to focus on, it is so hard to establish new habits and let go of the old. So it's a lot easier to start adding healthy habits in than trying to deprive yourself from um, certain things, you know, because then once you've added positive things in, it's a little easier to let go of some of those negative. Mm-hmm. Um and that all or nothing thinking distorts the truth that, and again, when it's that negative distortion where you're more prone to just see yourself as a failure, only look at your shortcomings, we want to focus on those negative versus believing in our strengths, believing where we can make positive change. So there's some proven ways of things that we can do, Allie, to recognize and fight the all or nothing distorted thinking, especially related to making those healthy eating habits. Um first thing I always suggest, take five deep breaths because this primitive mind, right? Autopilot kicks in and you can't think clearly or rationally when you're under stress. I think we all can attest to making poor decisions under that stress and that anxiety. And by taking those deep breaths, doesn't that, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't that kind of create both, both parts of your brain, they can communicate again by, by taking those deep breathing or deep breaths. Yes. Yeah. It helps re-engage your prefrontal cortex, which is where our mind rationalizes, puts meaning to thing. And it's where we can start, like even breathing will help release a little bit of cortisol, give you a little bit of dopamine and some of that serotonin that we need to help ourselves calm down. So closing your eyes and taking a couple deep breaths before just reacting to that thought or that craving or, oh, I'm just going to eat this is really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the first thing. The second thing I uh, recommend is we want to learn to identify this distorted thought and you want to practice it when you're not under stress. This helps build your self-awareness for when you are under stress and when you do engage in the all or nothing thinking. So I suggest, and Ali, I'm going to post this on my um, Instagram so that people can look it up. Perfect. Make I, I have people take a piece of paper and draw four columns um, with these questions. One column is, what is the evidence this is true? That that all or nothing thought you're having is true. What is the evidence that this is not true? What is really the worst case scenario? And then what is another way of thinking about it? Basically, you're trying to find the middle ground. And when I do this with clients and don't just think about it, write it down. If you've listened to our podcast, you know, I'm really, really big on this because when you write it down, you're engaging your prefrontal cortex and you're being able to rationalize and put meaning and understand it. So write it down, practice this when you're not under stress, because it will help you more easily recognize when you are doing it. Like the examples that you just gave Allie. 
Mm -hmm. So have you ever written it down like that before? No, I haven't. I mean, I've, I have um, just done it in my mind, but I think that would be very powerful to have some guidance and to be able to write it um, and really ponder through it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll post that on my Instagram so that people can just download that um, worksheet. So my last suggestions for how to kind of work through the all or nothing thinking in relation to our healthy eating. Cause again, think about it, right? Like what's the worst case scenario if you eat a cheeseburger? <laughs> Hopefully you're, gonna you're not going to, <laughs> right. Right. Hopefully you're not going to drop dead. Right. You know, right, right. Um, but <laughs> so that's why it's fun, kind of funny to think it in those terms. The last example I have um, is to plan ahead. We're very visually oriented people. And so like when you open your fridge, when you open your pantry, when you're at a restaurant, if something visually looks appealing, that's what you want to eat. And when we're under stress, we usually make the easiest choice, which oftentimes is not part of our plan. Mm -hmm. So I have found the more you make healthy foods visually appealing and ready to go, you might still grab at those even when you're um, under stress. So I buy cut up veggies already. Well, no, I do cut up my veggies, but I buy prepackaged salad mixes. I am much more likely to eat a salad if all I have to do is dump it in a bowl versus mm -hmm. having to cut everything up. Um, I have ready, easy easily ready things available like hard-boiled eggs, veggies, fruits. Um, I made some peanut butter protein cookies that just totally hit the spot. One of the things I was telling you, Allie, is I forget how easy actually some of this can be. It took me less than 10 minutes to make those cookies. And oh, one a day good. is so super satisfying. And that, that it's in a clear container in the fridge. Put them in clear containers so that you can visually see them clearly. And the easier they are, the more visually stimulating they are, the easier it is to make those better decisions under stress. And really, that takes less time than making regular cookies because you don't mm -hmm. have to cook them. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing I'd say, and one of the things I learned for myself through my pregnancy to get me out of the all or nothing, I have to eat absolutely healthy or not at all, was I made a rule, a general rule for myself that I'm going to make sure I eat veggies or fruit at every meal. And I know I've done this because I've sent it to you, Allie, and I will send you a picture of a tater tot casserole that I made for my family with red onions and green peppers on the top of it. <laughs> hey, anything counts. Yeah, exactly. And that's the mindset we're trying to build that instead of telling ourselves it all has to be healthy or I'm a complete failure is, hey, what little healthy choice can I make today? or this hour. So then I know I have at least made one healthy choice. So those are my suggestions of how to fight the all or nothing thinking when you are under stress, but still trying to make healthy um, diet choices. Love it. Yeah, I really like those ideas. Thank you, Lindy. I also have some ideas. I have five suggestions. The first one is to stop saying, I'll start on Monday. Stop creating that start line and finish line for your journey. You, you just need to start making little improvements now. Maybe take a smaller portion of the dessert you were going to eat anyway. Maybe skip your second serving on dinner. Any small decision you make now is going to be moving you closer to your goal. The situation does not need to be perfect to begin. It does not need to stay perfect throughout your efforts. 
just keep moving forward little by little. The second one is instead of focusing on cutting out foods, try focusing on what you can add. What I mean is when you're thinking, I can't eat ice cream, I can't eat ice cream, I can't eat ice cream, you're more likely to increase your craving for ice cream. (laughs) But if you can shift your focus to how can I add more veggies today? How many colors of food can I incorporate into this meal? How could I add a little lean protein to this dish? Then your focus shifts to how can I bless my body instead of how can I just hold strong and not eat the things I really want to and I'm going to blow up the whole plan anyway. The third one is to set yourself up for success. And Linda, you talked about cutting up veggies and having them on hand. I also like to have those, I like those ranch dip packets and I have them on hand to mix into plain Greek yogurt or low-fat sour cream or cottage cheese. And I find that my kids and myself are more likely to eat veggies when there's a yummy dip to use. So I'll put out a plate full of veggies like carrots, celery, cucumber slices, and broccoli with the ranch dip around lunchtime. And then I'll go and make the rest of our lunch and I just leave it there throughout, I don't know, for an hour or so. And it usually is empty. So it's because if it's in sight and ready, everyone is more likely to eat it. And then hopefully we'll all be more full because we ate these fibrous, nutritious foods and we'll be less likely to be craving a sugary treat an hour after lunch. Now, some of you just cringed when I said that I have those dried ranch dip packets because you're thinking, well, that's not healthy. That has preservatives in it. Well, if that goes to the all or nothing thing, if you're at that stage in your Um, diet plan where you can cut those out and you have other options, then great. But I'm not going to let the fact that there are preservatives in my ranch packet deter me from having my kids and myself eat more vegetables. You see how I'm kind of meeting in the middle. And then maybe as I get more comfortable with that and I can get my kids more comfortable with the idea, I can come up with a new dip idea that maybe is a little bit healthier. But it's just, you can be stopped by not... um, having the right ingredients on hand. Like this morning I went to go do my oatmeal and I don't, I try not to do dairy very much. And so I put almond milk in my oatmeal and it was gone. All the almond milk was gone. So did I, I I had a split moment where I'm like, well, then it's messed up. But then I thought, you know what, what is a splash of regular milk going to do? I'm not allergic. It's going to be fine. It's not, it doesn't have to throw off my whole day. You can also prep all of your protein once a week. I heard a great idea from someone years ago that they like to use Sunday afternoons as a prep time. So in the afternoon, they, they all at once, they put some rice in the rice cooker. They put some chicken in, your, in the pressure cooker. They can put, you can put some pork in your crock pot. You can even cook some ground turkey or beef on the stovetop. And then all in one chunk of time, you have all these accessible proteins that you can have throughout the week and maybe beyond. You can just put them in your fridge or freezer and you're set. The fourth suggestion is to plan ahead. If I'm serious about sticking to a healthy plan, I have to enter my foods into my fitness pal the night before. So I have a plan. I'm more likely to stay on point if I know I'm going to be eating Greek yogurt with granola at 3 p.m. tomorrow. Then as the day gets busy and I'm working with kids and all my obligations and suddenly I'm starving, I already have a plan and I'm less likely to dive into the bag of chocolate chips out of frustration. Okay, plan ahead. 
And the last one, finally, give yourself grace. Most people are going to mess up with their nutrition plan, except for those magical unicorn people who never waver. So just plan on failing at times. Realize you're human. You're not living in a, a, a little laboratory <laughs> secluded from the world where your only responsibility is choosing healthy foods and working out. You are a human with a lot going on, with a lot of people counting on you. Things come up, emotions bubble up, plans fall through. You're going to mess up. The question is, what will you do when that happens? You need to make a plan. Maybe you can have a positive affirmation that you say in those moments, like, I am human and I mess up, but I love myself anyway. And then you can make a plan for what you are going to do. Maybe you can go drink a tall glass of water and do some meditation for a few minutes and then get back up and keep moving towards your goal. Just because something is messed up one day or even a few days doesn't mean that it's you're starting all the way over. Just get up and keep moving toward your goal. So I hope that this topic has sparked some ideas. And our hope is that throughout this week, you can start to identify when you have some negative feelings or some negative self-talk, you can go back and identify what was I thinking to create these feelings? Was I engaging in all or nothing thought distortions? It's something to be aware of. That's the first step is to be aware of these thought distortions. And we're going to talk about more of the thought distortions in the future. So we wish you all the best. And until next week, go eat something healthy. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening. Hey, we want to hear from you. Drop us an email and we'll discuss any of your questions on an upcoming episode. You can email us at joyhabitpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd also like more coaching tips or maybe work with us one-on-one, you can follow along on Instagram. You can find me, Allie, at food.rebel, Lindy at mindandstrength, or on our websites. Thanks.